0: Hello and welcome to After Press, the podcast from Passenger Transport. My name is Robert Jack, editor of Passenger Transport and I'm joined as ever by my esteemed colleague Andrew Garnett. Hello! As ever we're socially distanced by around 400 miles. I'm in Edinburgh and Andrew is in his secret location somewhere in the southwest of England but the wonder of technology has brought us together. So we finished this week's edition of Passenger Transport last night and we're recording this on April 1st. What have you done with yourself since we went to the it to press, Andrew.
1: Um, well, yeah. nothing much really. Dashed up to the White Horse at Westbury last night, uh, but today has been mostly about uh, clearing the decks, because um, tomorrow is Good Friday, and quite frankly, I'd like the day off. So come on, let's crash on. Go yes, on.
0: you've been, you've been, Andrew's been cracking the whip today in order to try and clear yeah. the decks ahead of Easter. But here, here we go. So we're gonna, we're gonna talk, we're gonna talk some transport, and uh, this is our post press debrief and regular listeners will know that we pick through this week's edition and draw attention to some areas of interest. Uh, So we're going to kick off with our lead story, Burnham Takes Back Control. Andy Burnham, the Mayor of Greater Manchester, has made a historic decision to take control of buses in the biggest shakeup of the region's transport network in over 30 years as part of plans for a joined-up and truly passenger-focused transport network. Greater Manchester will become the first place in England to take advantage of the franchising powers contained in the 2017 Bus Services Act. This will make it the first city region outside of London to obtain full control over local bus routes, frequency, fares and tickets. Commenting on the decision, Andy Burnham, who will stand for re-election on May 6th, said, I've decided that we will be the first outside London to run our buses differently under local control. So the decisions are made at a local level for the benefit of our passengers. So it's been a long time coming. Bus franchising powers were introduced in the 2017 Act following a pledge made in 2014 by then-Chancellor George Osborne, which he made during negotiations with Greater Manchester. Andy Burnham, the region's first directly elected mayor, has deliberated and consulted. And now, at the last possible moment before the pre-election purdah period, I believe, has pushed the franchising button. The first franchised buses will operate in Bolton and Wigan in early 2023 and across the rest of Greater Manchester by the end of 2025, which will be more than a decade after Osborne made that initial pledge. Andrew, what are we to make of
1: this? Well, it's been a long time coming, as you say, hasn't it? And uh, it's more a case of finally, isn't it? Um, You mentioned this in your your editorial, um, don't you, in, in... current issue, and um, the fact that as a rookie journalist in the late 1990s, um, you attended a bus conference in London, and the late uh, Chris Mulligan, the then Director General of Greater Manchester PDE, was talking about franchise buses back then, So, and for me too, it's been a constant throughout my own career. Um, Roger Jones, remember him, he was chair of the PTA, and he advocated quality contracts for years, and also let's not forget road user charging. Um His support, which ultimately cost him his council seat. Um, But we've all been waiting for it to happen, really, haven't we? Perhaps it's the industry's greatest open secret. Maybe a lot of us expected it to happen eventually. Um, It was a case of not if, but when. Yes,
0: I, I like how you, you obviously mentioning that I've been doing this since the late '90s. You you wanted to you wanted to <laughs> point that nine.
1: out. <laughs> 18, <nine>.
0: um, <laughs> yeah, Chris Mulligan. I, I mean, he he declared uh, quite very passionately that the minute quality contracts were an option that was on the table, that Greater Manchester would be sending its application into uh, the Department for Transport or whatever they called the Department for Transport back in those days. Mm-hmm. It didn't happen, of course. The, the hurdles to achieving a quality bus contract were just considered too high. Uh, Roger mm. Jones uh, w- was interested in them. He was particularly... I, I went to go and see Roger Jones at the, the headquarters. Uh, oh, yes. And, yeah, his particular sort of beef, really, was with First Bus in the north of the city, who he described as being diabolical. Um, and I remember him telling me that he felt that stagecoach, by comparison, was Premier League. But he he, he was... Very unhappy with the, the what the deregulated system was delivering in terms of bus use uh, at that mm. time, but quality mm. contracts were were not considered uh, a, a viable option. But of course, um, for the for the industry historians, the, the the opposition to the current model goes way back. You know, the, the the bus companies in Manchester were essentially GM buses were split in half. You'll know the history better than me, I should imagine. 1993. And Yeah, and they were forced forced to sell off these businesses against their will, and they were bought by local management teams, who then ultimately sold them on for a large profit to uh, larger private groups that have uh, you know, and they've ended up in the hands of Stagecoach and First Group. But First Group have um, handed over the baton to Go Ahead in the north of the city as the dominant sort of player there now. But um, you're the, the case for change, I believe, is set out by Transport for Greater Manchester when they made this announcement. What did they,
1: what did they have to say? Yes, indeed. And uh, well, they to summarise um, why they believe um, they need franchising, uh, TFGM said, In Greater Manchester, individual bus companies decide the routes, fares, timetables and standards. There is no coordination and limited oversight. Since 1986, which, of course, for... As we'll know, that's when the bus de- deregulation happened. Bus patronage fell by 45%, from £350 million to £194 million in 2018. And the bus network has continued to shrink. There are more than 150 different types of bus tickets, and a single bus ticket can cost £4 compared to £1.55 in London. And often does not allow passengers to transfer between buses and other types of transport. Bus companies decide not to run services and, while necessary, the public sector has paid to fill the gaps. So that's their justification. What do you think? Yeah, well,
0: I mean, this is the complaint that's been levelled against deregulation across the country, but obviously enhanced oh. partnerships is seen in many places as a way of sort of providing that sort of coordination. Oh. Um I think it would be unfair to suggest that deregulation is entirely responsible for the decline of, um, no, of bus patronage to that degree play. over that time. And yeah, much yeah bigger societal factors um, involved, and uh, rising car ownership being being mm. the main one. But at the same time, um, I, I would say, as somebody who's tried to use buses in Manchester, it does appear as a fragmented network that might not be as easy or straightforward to use as it could be and i do wonder whether yeah. there is a stronger case especially in those larger uh, city region conurbations, uh, for for that kind of linked up system um that uh, you yeah. know something perhaps more akin to london but i mean let's yeah. remind ourselves uh, that, uh, importantly bus franchising has support from boris johnson i mean not only it did, uh Ooh. was it you know um the the previous conservative government that actually put this legislation in but in his, his you know Boris Johnson put his support behind Manchester uh, in his very first speech i believe after becoming prime minister when he addressed you know he set out his domestic priorities uh, when he said he would work alongside Andy Burnham the mayor of greater manchester on his plans to deliver a london style bus system using the 2017 bus services act and and i wonder whether this is this is quite interesting, isn't it? Because, you know, politically, these these two guys are, are, are quite different and would be set against each other. But they seem to both believe that they can uh, be winners from bus franchising Ooh. and they have a vested interest in um, sort of making each other potentially look good with it. You know, um, both of them may want it to succeed, whether whether Ooh. that means that Boris Johnson will back everything that Andy Burnham, uh, assuming he is reelected, as would appear to be, you know, uh, Uh, the the likelihood uh, on May 6th but whether he backs every everything that comes out of this plan I I would have thought he will but the important thing will be funding um, and what kind of backing comes out in terms of that but we're going to more on that later uh but there's been a, a bit of a mixed reaction from the bus operators themselves which is not surprising
1: yes indeed in response to um Andy Burnham's announcement um Stagecoach repeated its view that the Uh, Combined authorities consultation process had failed to meet the standards on proper process, evidence and analysis required by law. In recent weeks, it's been um, revealed in February, Stagecoach actually submitted an application for a judicial review on that basis and that application is now um, scheduled to be considered by the court on uh, May 27th and 28th. We are disappointed and surprised that the Mayor has chosen to push ahead with these proposals, and not wait a short time for the outcome of the judicial review process before making any final decisions, the group said. The planned franchising scheme in Greater Manchester would incur £135 million of transition costs that would not deliver any new buses or new services and, under GMCA plans, would see above-inflation fares increases for customers. We believe a better approach, in line with the government's bus strategy, would be to work together and focus precious taxpayer funding on practical improvements for customers and local communities. Uh, meanwhile, of course, Go Ahead acquired a foothold in Greater Manchester's bus market in 2019 uh, when it acquired the 163 vehicle Queens Road depot in North Manchester from First Bus in an 11.2 million pound deal. A spokesperson for Go Northwest said. Go Ahead Group operates buses in a wide variety of regulatory environments across the UK. We are liaising with Transport for Greater Manchester on creating a system that works best for passengers. So two very different statements there, really, aren't there, Robert? <laughs> yeah, Go
0: Ahead appearing to be supportive of the direction, although perhaps not the most fulsome mm. endorsement, but more or less saying we can work with whatever you uh, you, you, you believe to be the best outcome yeah. or the best way forward. Uh, Stagecoach obviously um, have, have always been very opposed to this model for running bus services and that that looks like that's going to continue to be the case uh, and they won't be the only ones of course. Um, no. I mean wh- one of the things we do tend to see is people seem to be quite opposed to the idea of, of of franchising on their own turf but they're not always quite so opposed to it happening on somebody else's turf where they no, see an geez. opportunity to, to expand and <laughs> I wonder where I wonder whether that might be a theme going forward, because uh, if it happens on your doorstep, you face a battle to just just to, to retain your, your market share. Uh, although you could argue that Stagecoach would be in an incredibly strong position to bid for these contracts yeah. and to yes. not only, you know, to, to to retain, But obviously, if if uh, if it happens in a neighbouring territory or somewhere you could move into, if you're a. Well, it's a, a business tra- opportunity. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and isn't it? So I wonder, one of the issues that we're wondering is, should the deregulation diehards? Is it time for them to, to accept that the world has moved on? What do we, what do we, I, I don't know. I, I, well, I, I think I haven't, my, my personal opinion would be that times have changed. And we have a, a greater focus on buses than ever before, backed up by Ooh. extra money and a consensus that we have to have modal shift. And I think that opposition on bus franchising uh, continues in some circles, but the tide does seem unlikely to turn now. Uh, A simple, unified transport network in Greater Manchester and perhaps other places could achieve big things. Uh, And my personal perspective, I I don't feel that this is really about ideology, as as, has often been typecast as. For Mm. me, this is about opportunity for the future. And I think it's probably in everybody's interests to get behind it and make it work.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, I think we can, sometimes people do get a bit too caught up in the ideology and things, but there is this huge momentum, isn't there, seemingly in Greater Manchester, and as someone has said to us um, privately, um, read the room, guys.
0: Read the room, yes, yes. Mm. Well, Mm. moving on, but remaining on the theme of buses... The issue of funding available to support the delivery of the National Bus Strategy for England is a recurring theme in this week's edition. Let's remind ourselves what the funding is. In, uh, in addition to the emergency COVID-19 Bus Services Support Grant, which exists solely really to make up for the revenue shortfalls that have resulted from the pandemic, there is also the pre-existing Bus Service Operators Grant and concessionary travel funding. But, as announced by Boris Johnson in 20. 2020, February 2020 to be precise, and restated in the National Bus Strategy for England, there is 3 billion available over five years to level up bus, buses across England to London standards. So, returning to this week's edition, we report on an excellent discussion between Leon Daniels, Transport for London's former Surface Transport Chief, and transport entrepreneur Thomas Abelman, who each produce excellent podcasts. Uh, Lunch with Leon and Free Wheeling, and uh, they're each well worth a, less, a listen, that's for sure. While applauding the ambition of the government's national bus strategy, they raised uh, a range of concerns about the delivery of this vision. And Thomas expressed concerns about the ambition of this strategy being backed up by the necessary funding to deliver it. But uh, rather than me uh, go on more about that, let's let's hear Thomas in his own words. The word discretionary was used quite a few times before the word funding, and it is a strategy. And I've written strategies for organizations before, and normally a strategy describes the funding and what it's going to be spent on. And this didn't. It just said several times, Father Christmas Boris has brought £3 billion, and we're not going to tell you where it's going or how it's going to be allocated or even give any indication, really, of what the criteria are. Money that has no allocation and has not been announced always feels vulnerable to future cuts. So I don't doubt for a split second that it is intended that there shall be £3 billion, And the prospect of £3 billion is going to dangle in front of the industry and cause an awful lot of good behaviour for the next year. The big fear, of course, is and will it disappear? Let- So that's a concern expressed about the security of that money, but there's also a concern about the scale of it and whether that will be sufficient. In the Great Minster Grumbles column, our Whitehall insider suggests that the National Bus Strategy for England might rapidly find its place on a dusty bookshelf unless the government is able to provide substantially more funding than is currently on the table. Well, why is that? The insider writes, I can't see how the ambition in the strategy, fine as that may be, can be delivered. I say this because the three billion discretionary funding that has been made available is going to be spread impossibly thinly across the combined authorities and local transport authorities. And bear in mind, this is funding that is for the life of this parliament, which runs until winter 2024, assuming no early general election once the fixed term parliament act is repealed. It's not rocket science to work out that one billion a year across these authorities Won't deliver much at all. Uh, Remember that it's a big chunk of this money will be used to buy 4,000 new green buses. After that, we want to see cheap, flat, low fares, higher frequency services and new infrastructure everywhere. (laughs) Our cartoon has Boris Johnson boarding a bus in his I Love Buses t-shirt, only to be told by the driver, three billion. That's only going to get you halfway, mate. (laughs) So let's do a bit of maths.
1: Ooh, get our calculators (laughs) out.
0: Well, this week, Grant Shapps, the Transport Secretary, launched a £120 million pound scheme to enable local transport authorities in England to roll out up to 500 zero emission buses.
1: Mm.
0: So that £120 million would need to be multiplied by eight to deliver the 4,000 promised new green buses in the National Bus Strategy, which is and, uh, that is actually just short of a billion pound. So that's one third of the £3 billion already gone. Now remember that the remaining two billion, as the Great Minister grumbles, column points out, is still discretionary and will be allocated over the remainder of this parliament. So that that, that really gets you down to, you know, a, a much lower sum of money per year divided between all the local authority areas. Now, we don't want to sound ungrateful, no. uh, but there's only so much you can achieve with that. Uh, and remember that before Covid, London's bus network, which is so admired by the prime minister, was costing 700, 750 million a year to sustain or thereabouts. So, Andrew, <laughs> <laughs> are we being ungrateful to Father Christmas Boris?
1: Ooh. We wait ages for someone to give us a present, and when they do, we complain. <laughs> well, when you're talking in billions, that's um, people always think, wow, that's lots and lots and lots. But no, it's right. I mean, as, as you point out there with, you know, get the calculator out, um, you've already just blown a billion on... Buses, haven't you? And the rest is discretionary. Yes. It's not, you know, guaranteed or anything like that, is it? So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit concerned about how far this is really going to get us. I mean, is it really going to be the brilliant new start that we were sort of thinking about two weeks ago? Um, am I being pessimistic? Possibly. Well, uh,
0: well, you, well, so, so I suppose that's my cue to be optimistic, isn't it? As, <laughs> <laughs> as,
1: so so oh, uh, then, Pollyanna.
0: I, I, well I'll I'll put forward the the, the the controversial and perhaps entirely unrealistic view that we <laughs> <laughs> that perhaps we don't actually need a lot of extra money and, and and bear in mind Chris that that is still quite a lot of extra money we'll be able to achieve a fair deal with that and, but hmm. it, but imagine if some of that money is spent on bus priority measures Mm. um and massive amounts of bus priority measures and let's remind ourselves that the national bus strategy says a bus lane on every road with congestion and space for one
1: Mm.
0: i just let that sink in it's incredible isn't it Mm. now just imagine if they actually do see that through that will slash costs massively for bus operators allowing them to operate the same level service or greater with less uh that will allow and it will boost revenue as inevitably people think right that's that's the way for me to get into the it's where, where I want to go. Uh, that, that's going to be a huge dividend there. Couple that with further initiatives, whether it's parking constraints or even, you know, road pricing, which people are suggesting could be, you know, uh, Leon Daniels and Thomas Abelman, in their view, this, is a, this, is a, this could actually be inevitable. It really ought to be something that we're all pushing for. That will increase it even further. So I wonder whether actually, a, a, you know, bus professionals have spent their entire working lives thinking about funding in the context of a vicious cycle of decline that we all know so well. What happens in a virtuous cycle of growth?
1: Okay, yeah, I can see that. I mean, yeah, I suppose, when I always think that back to, you know, I think James Freeman talked about this, and also, um, uh, what's his name? Is it David Bradford at Travel, uh, National Express West Midlands? I call That's him. right, the yes, National yes. Yeah. Um, they've always sort of talk, pointed out about the fact that how much resource they've had to put in. Especially over the last, you know, decade or so, as a result of traffic congestion and that sort of thing. So, yeah, I can kind of see it that if you do create this environment where buses are going to get faster, you are going to cut the costs, aren't you, of the operation? So that actually doesn't need much to go into the industry, does it? To enable. Well, to the, I've there was the being report that here. <laughs> you're, you're you're buying in. <laughs> well. <laughs>
0: Uh, was it David Begg produced that report on congestion and the crippling effect that that had had on industry finances, essentially meaning that you get uh, less with the same. Mm. And it, well, what's, what's the flip side of that? If you if you turn this around yes. yeah. and there, there'll be people who say, well, that's not going to happen, though, is it? Well, you think, well, it's it's in the strategy now they, yeah. they are. Do, you know. And if you go to any town or city um, in the United Kingdom now, you're you're going to see some reallocation of road space that's happened towards cycling. They are doing this. They've got statutory guidance on it and they are doing it. And there's backlashes to it. And we've seen local traffic neighborhoods. Well,
1: buses
0: buses, buses are next in line and Mm -hmm. it'll be interesting to see. So uh, whether when they do follow through that, what that does to the industry's economics, because ultimately we'd love a situation where the industry actually can pay for itself. Mm. where it has lots and lots of passengers who are yes. very happily making swift journeys where they need to go on dedicated infrastructure and, yes. and paying, the, paying very reasonable affairs, and that, that would be a win-win-win all round, wouldn't it? But
1: I mean, it's it's interesting you say, though, about about that, because um, you touched on about how controversial the LTAs are, as we've discussed in a previous podcast when I was still living in London. Um, you, uh, LTNs. Oh, yes, LTNs, or I mean,
0: you know, like, oh. Which is an, it's a low traffic neighbourhood no right? yeah. for anybody who's I
1: not mean, yeah. Look how, I mean, that really that exercised Vanessa Feltz on a regular basis, as our listener <laughs> may remember. Um, but it'd be interesting to see, you know, can you imagine the backlash there's going to be if there's bus, bus lanes everywhere for the motorists? It's going to be politically very, very courageous.
0: Yes. Well, I. <laughs> Uh, Leon Daniels and Thomas Abelman had a very interesting discussion about this, where they made a point that had dawned on me as well that this government has an amazing ability to sort of look both ways, though, doesn't it? Sort of, yeah. You, you, They will put the guidance in there, and then when the backlash happens, they'll sort of go, Oh, really? Oh, oh, Nothing to do That looks a bit silly.
1: And you wonder that
0: actually, I do wonder as a politician whether Boris Johnson is probably the only person who could get away with peppering towns and cities with bus lanes in England,
1: actually, yes. I mean, um, in, in London, he put in lots and lots of proper cycle lanes, which was very, very controversial, and he largely got away with it, you know. Yes, bus lanes could be the same case, you know, he gets away with it,
0: yeah, yeah. And, and the fact is, it would make an enormous difference to the way people travel or get about. It would, if you're a bus user. In, in England right now, you could by the end of this parliament see some huge changes that make your life Ooh. quite significantly better and I guess he's expecting that that will be a major vote winner. Well time will tell see whether that's time the case will tell. But, yeah. time will tell.
1: Yeah. I was almost optimistic so, uh, there Did you notice that?
0: Okay oh, oh, yeah, well let's see if we can keep that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be the pessimistic one next week then so yeah uh, well, we've come to the end of our podcast. Uh, before I go, I was asking you what your plans are or what you're doing at the Easter weekend.
1: Oh, well, a few days off now, thanks to all our hard work today. I don't well, well, I'm, not, I'm allowed to go out and about now, so I might go out and about, but um, I don't really have anything planned or anything. The weather's going to be a bit rubbish, but what are you doing? Are you doing something exciting? Well, are, I, I are you going to safely, sit in a garden I, somewhere?
0: With, with... Aside from taking the bins out, I haven't been out <laughs> all week. So I, I am actually <laughs> going to go out and actually get some... Well, that, that's the that's the risk when I'm on deadline week. So I'm going to go out and get some fresh are, air Are you somewhere. allowed to I sit
1: might... in someone's garden now?
0: I am, yeah. I went to my cousin's garden last week. That was very Ooh. nice. i will probably go... I think I'll take a walk up the seat this weekend. I, oh. do something. I think that'd be... Well, that's nice. To get some exercise. So. Yeah, yeah. If you read in the papers, man collapsed on Arthur's seat. Um, <laughs> so yeah. tutorial
1: for next time, I don't know. Right, Before on. we
0: go. Before we go, as ever, I want to say a big thank you to all of our subscribers.
1: Yes, if thank you, you don't you. subscribe, thank you.
0: you're missing out. Just visit yeah. passengertransport.co.uk. That's passengertransport.co.uk for details of how to subscribe. And you can save 25% on all subscriptions by using the following promo code. What is it, Andrew? Discount 25! <laughs> at the online checkout. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter. That's at Pastrans. And join our LinkedIn group, Passenger Transport Magazine. And you can follow Andrew on no, Twitter no. too at Andrew 78 no. Take a look at his book. Take a look at his bookcase.
1: No, 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 don't do that. No. <laughs>
0: so, we've reached the terminus. Everyone should alight here. We look forward to joining you all again in two weeks' time. Goodbye. Bye.